And welcome to the New Story Podcast with me, your host, Rebecca Conran. And today I have my very good friend, uh, fellow IIN graduate, <laughs> but I'm laughing because like, <laughs> it's so it's very um, it's like deep history for us both now. Um, <laughs> she's a yoga instructor. She's a, she is kind of a revolutionary of wellness and nutrition and um, all things healing. Sasha Nelson. Hi, Sasha. Hi, Beckers. <laughs> no one knows <laughs> that that's my nickname, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's an, that was an intimate moment. I couldn't help it. No one Thanks else for... is allowed to call me that. My name is Rebecca. I'm only this is Rebecca. To a few people, <laughs> Sashi is one of them. <laughs> Hello, Rebecca. You can call me Sashi if you want. Um, thank you for <laughs> such a sweet introduction. That was so wonderful. Yeah, well, our little Aquarian over here, uh, <laughs> how could you not be a revolutionary? It's just in your, it's in your bones. Um, mm-hmm. Sashi, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, I've only, I've barely scratched the surface of like what you're up to when it comes to wellness and your own, like what you're, what you're doing in the collective healing wise, but what, what do you, what are you offering the collective recent, like, uh, right now? Well, in the last couple of years, it's just kind of gotten into varying degrees of wellness and healing and, um, different modalities. And I feel like I'm still very much a student um, that is learning about all this stuff because they are such like ancient practices um, from cultures that I am not from necessarily, but I offer currently uh, yoga classes. I teach yoga, typically primarily like vinyasa style. Um, I'm a dancer, so I enjoy movement period. And I like to think of my classes as like um, thoughtful vinyasa. Um, I study with Iyengar teachers and that's a um, very specific practice from India that focuses a lot on uh, anatomy and holding postures for a long period of time and the effects of those postures on the physical and mental body. Mm -hmm. And I try to weave that into my uh vinyasa or yoga or flow classes whatever you want to call it that i teach so it's kind of like iyengar informed vinyasa i guess and um that was kind of like my first dip into the wellness world and after that um i was actually working at integrative nutrition (laughs) where you and i both did uh the online program and i decided to do that program to like maybe consider health coaching. I didn't know that I really wanted to do it, but then some clients kind of just showed up and said, Hey, I heard you're doing this. And as it, as it happens often, I'm sure that happened with you too. And many of us. Um, and so I started coaching and short sidebar, uh, for anyone who is thinking about IIN, it is like, I think both Sasha and I took it just for ourselves ultimately, like to kind of learn Mm -hmm. more about nutrition. And, and I think it's a great, 
uh, it's a good kind of like groundwork for that. And also just an easy certification into working with other people. But, um, yeah, uh, I like people often, do people ask you a lot about IAN and if you, if they should take the course? Totally. I get that question a lot. Like, is it worth it? Is it worth the money? Is it worth like the time? How long is it? Like, what do you learn? And I I feel the same as you. I also kind of feel the same as, um, uh, like 200 hour yoga teacher training, which is kind of like the initial, um, introduction into teaching yoga. I feel almost like both of these should just kind of be life requirements because there's such a great introduction into both worlds and especially at IAN, I mean, even at, even just working there and being in that environment, like I was into healthy food and nutrition just a little bit, like through, um, my mom and because she was interested in kind of like, you know, the diets that would come up here and there throughout like the nineties. And, um, so I learned a little bit through her and she's Italian. So food and Mm -hmm. Italian go (laughs) together. So, um, I was interested in all that and I had become a vegetarian. I was like, you know, getting more into yoga through the dance world. I had just studied. Um, I'd gotten my master's in fashion merchandising, weirdly enough at uh, Academy of art. And I found myself in a sustainability of fashion class. And that made a lot of connections into the world, not only of food, but like agriculture and, yeah. sustainability of the planet in general and of our bodies and how all of that is really connected. And after, I mean, I've always been kind of like an activist, you know, Aquarian, like you just said, like revolutionary world peace. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Save the planet, save everything. But I never really knew how to do that. Like I wasn't one to go out and like protest or raise money for certain organizations. I just kind of was passionate about it. So then I, I learned that I could then make a difference, you know, through individuals, through yoga and nutrition. So and through your own personal, I feel like your own personal, like one of the first things that drew me to you was, um, like how passionate you were about like recycling and sustainable, like living, (laughs) living the life of somebody who cares about the environment instead of just like, talking about it on our soapboxes, really like aligning our practices, our daily life, like how we take care of trash and how we take care of like food and all of that, like, uh, and, and our consciousness around it and clothing. And, um, that, that was something that I've always like, um, been super drawn to about you. And, and I feel like for our listeners too, um, like, Sasha's a great person to follow to tap into some of those ideas around sustainability. You know, a lot of people are like, well, what can I do? What's sustainable? What's something I can do as an individual to the physically, you know, like in the world. And I, uh, I feel like your newsletter and tapping into you is a great way to tap into like those earthly realities of how to, mm-hmm. to facilitate that. Mm, thank you. That means so much. Cause that's, I mean, ultimately what I really hope to offer in this lifetime and so when other people are able I mean you're a very intuitive person but and we have a lot of similar um values and interests anyways but you know for other people to pick up on that is just like the greatest gift ever that's the best Mm. thing I could hear so I and I think that I, I appreciate that point that you said of just doing it in my own life like what can we do um 
a lot of this continues to be like a big life experiment for me. Mm -hmm. I think we're all just kind of figuring it out because it's not like I'm going every day to work a desk job. So I'm not only figuring out like my life as a person in the world and how to contribute to the world and the planet in, you know, very sustainable ways, literally for your own lifestyle. Like, because this is not, it's not like you can wake up every morning and like take two hours to like meditate and make, you know, a homemade breakfast and journal and, um, like grow a garden and take all your food out of the garden. I mean, like maybe if you're Oprah, you have time to do that, but it's, or it's me. not, or, or, or Rebecca. <laughs> I know I'm saying, as, as I'm saying, no, as I'm saying all this, I'm like, I kind of do that. That And I, 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 I'm going to retract on that because if that's the way you want your life to be, then like certainly by all means do that. I'm just saying kind of like for the average human, I yeah, think that. And, and while it, you're that figuring be, out that you have the right to do that, obviously there's like, it's a process. Yeah. Like, yeah. And there. like giving, yeah, exactly. And giving yourself permission to do that, um, I think is really important. I'm really into this idea of um, at the moment, giving yourself permission to do something. And by doing that, you give, permission to others to do the same. So, you know, like really creating the life you want. And I'm, you know, I think that all of us, there's like an undercurrent of caring about something, something on this planet people care about. And I think that people get really confused on what they can do with that. So I hope to in my life, and I mean, this goes back to like your first question of what do you do? And we just kind of went on a big detour, but, um, what I hope to do, like the umbrella of me, myself, Sasha Yoga Wellness as a business is to teach people how to infuse ancient practices into their modern day life in ways that feel sustainable for them. And that as a result, wind up being sustainable and um, conscious for the our own mind, our own body and our collective planet. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a interesting topic talking about sustainability, I think, especially with spirituality and wellness, because I think like there is the, we ha- we see so often this um, sort of like, uh, like we get really um, turned on and awakened by like our spiritual practice and holistic wellness and then for a lot of us, after a couple of years, like the restrictive nature of some of the things that we've incorporated becomes sort of like um, confining and almost like uh, not sustainable, right? Like it's, it's sometimes mm-hmm. not sustainable the way that we approach wellness and nutrition and um, like the restrictive nature sometimes uh, of the way that spirituality can seem when you're first rocketing rocketing out you know I think like it's great Mm -hmm. to be super excited and be all gung-ho and to really be passionate and pour yourself into your spiritual practice but then sometimes we realize that we've done that to the detriment of being like a normal human being who is has a a regular life that's sometimes messy and sometimes like imperfect and um, like mm-hmm. what I've loved about watching your process too, is just like, uh, I mean, cause I've known you for you know, six, six years now yeah, and, um, just seeing like in our, in both of us, like how we sort of have gone through different 
how spirituality is materialized in different ways where it's almost like uh, really what we've been designing is the how is like our own pers- perspective on healing. And then mm-hmm. that has really helped us to ease up on some of the physical on, on the aspects that feel really not sustainable to like normal life. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, I think we could talk about this forever and you and I have talked about this at length just on our own, like on our couches, venting to each other about life and like real life problems, but also this type of work that we're doing. Um, And I think that it can go both ways. Like in the yoga world, it can be very competitive. And then, you know, we're, I think a lot of us are really drawn to all this work because we grew up in a culture that is a lot about like competition and winning and success and, measuring yourself by, um, those paradigms. And so we're kind of like in that story and that world and we're drawn to things like yoga and spirituality and taking care of ourselves through food, et cetera, because we're seeking something that is grounding and bringing us back to ourselves and our true nature. Um, one of the first three sutras in the, in yoga philosophy is, um, like when the mind is quiet or when the thoughts are quiet, when we seize the churning of the mind of the mind stuff, then we see our true nature. We reside in our true nature. And mm-hmm. I think that what then we're learning now as a result is how to, and that's kind of like my goal, how I was saying earlier, how to integrate that into our life because now yoga and nutrition and spirituality even is becoming like, a business. And so some of us are taking, unfortunately, that baggage that we have from not only our past stories and uh, expectations and patterns, um, but like, you know, our past jobs, like people who, you know, work like, I don't know, in fashion and then really like crazy stressful environments and then go and say like, oh, I want to open a yoga studio, but there's still maybe some stuff there from that, uh, not like past life, but almost, you know, like you, you kind of like transition through these lives and it's not a bad thing. And I like what you said earlier about, um, because as you know, too, I also just recently started my own little podcast called I am a mess, but also delicious. Um, cause I started (laughs) just posting (laughs) these photos of like my food, which was, I think is delicious and you know you know how I am about my food and I love it and it's clean and delightful and colorful and nourishing and but it's a mess like I throw it all in a bowl because I don't have you know time to at this moment anyways um or I'm not choosing to take the time to style it and make it pretty and I was like you know what this is kind of a metaphor for my life like I'm a little bit of a mess sometimes a lot of a mess (laughs) but that doesn't mean that life can't be really beautiful and delicious and delightful. And like we can experience the full spectrum of it and, um, and, and integrate these spiritual and nutritional and, you know, yogic practices into our life as it is now. Um, and just learn how to be aware of our patterns. Yeah. Like, I love what you always say. You have to, um, feel it to heal it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such an important message, like, uh, around like 
what are our motivations like all the time for doing anything and that we can, you know, unless we really dig deep into what our motivations are, it's easy to repeat the same patterns in any area, including spirituality, nutrition, fitness, that um, like, you know, you can bring your addictions with you anywhere. Like it doesn't, you know, it's, it doesn't, anything can be something that becomes destructive uh, or just unsustainable, let's say, if if and and affecting us in a negative way, if we're not really checking in with like what our motivation is to do anything. And I, I mean, for myself too, like I think one of the biggest things that I've found in my own spiritual practice is um, just this like really like relaxing into it more and choosing like just total kindness all the time, like really needing to tap into a, a, a parental voice within that is just really encouraging and nurturing, but also uh, authentic and realistic. You know, it's like a proper parent's voice where it's like, kind mm-hmm. of like, well, what's going on right now? And like, what do you need? And then um, like the right amount of encouragement instead of criticism and perf- and perfectionism. I find like, Mm-hmm. There, if you want to really ju- dig into judgment, criticism, and perfectionism, there's no better place than the spiritual, uh, the wellness <laughs> industry. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it seems to really run rampant. And so, um, something I, you know, just like I love that you've brought in that, like, we can we can transfer that kind of capitalist type you know, like overworking masculine, um, vibration that we've been taught and ingrained with since childhood into our wellness too. And it, and it takes a lot of effort to really like sit back and be in a state of receptivity and being and feeling and non-action sometimes too, of just more, um, yeah, receptive and open and, um, not pushing and striving and competing. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. And you're so right. And you've taught me so much about this because you're, you know, obviously it's also really easy to see it in other people, but you are intuitive. And as you've been watching me grow, I feel like you've noticed that about me when I tend to like, you know, go down my road of like, I pack everything into my schedule because I want to make good money and I also want to serve people and I get really excited about it. And I'm like, yes, I want to do everything. Uh, like I'll sub this class. I'll do this event. Like, Oh, I have an hour here. I'll go like, I'm watching with a friend. Like, so my calendar winds up just being this, like every once in a while, this jam packed like wellness session, but it doesn't actually wind up serving my body well because then I'm tired and overworked and then I can't serve my community well if I'm tired and overworked so it's and like you said just like being able to relax into it there's um a meditation teacher that I'm studying with named Tara Brock and she says something that I really love in her meditations is like when your attention strays from you you just invite it back with kindness and with gentleness like you don't have to keep judging yourself for, you know, not being this like epitome of well-being and this like bright shining sunshine every day after you wake up and like have the perfect poop and like <laughs> meditate and are just like centered and focused and the Zen master. Like even in my yoga classes recently, I make people jump around in the middle of class because I'm like, 
just rage for a minute. Like even if it's a fit of rage, if you're like, whatever you're feeling, maybe it's a joyful rage. Maybe you're like excited about something, like let yourself feel it. And kind of like you said, relax into the feeling. And it's not like we can do this all the time. Like, you know, people go through grief and they come to spirituality and this work for healing. And you do really have to feel it. But in um, Buddhism, they say that the root of suffering is like resistance, like what you resist persists. Mm -hmm. And in um, yoga, kind of like you said earlier, um, I don't know if you said it, but I was thinking about it when you were talking about like meeting this kind of like parental disciplinary uh, figure with some also a sense of like softness and relaxation. I was uh, reminded of another sutra, which asks us to practice yoga um, in a way that is both easeful and uh, dedicated. It's called mm-hmm. uh, Shtira Sukha. Um, Shtira is like uh, rooted, um, I, I guess, disciplined, dedicated. Um, and Sukha is like softness or sweetness. Yeah. Um, and so we meet both of it because you know, this is like, there's so many dualities. Like I'll go tell you to like, go home and like have the best self-care day of your life. But then I'll go home and say like, but then I'll also, you know, counter that with, but also go out and serve your community and, you know, do the work. And sometimes it, it actually does feel like work. And that's why we call We say things like do the work because it is, it is work to do work on yourself and to be aware of yourself and your actions and how you approach your career, your family, your friends, um, but really most importantly yourself, because that's how you're going to wind up approaching other yeah. people. So yeah. I really, I really hate that term. Sashi. <laughs> Which one? Doing what term? The do the work. Do the work. Oh yeah. You know, what, do you, think... what do you prefer? Like, what do you, what do you prefer to say? Cause I'm open to it. I mean, that's just kind of how I've, what I've heard and what well, I've and I, and I definitely use that term sometimes too. I mean, I'm just like thinking about like how, like, you know, I think a lot of us are, our generations are like just naturally rebellious. So it's like, we don't want to do fucking work. We want to like <laughs> feel creative and free and happy, you know? So like, I think, I think really what we're talking about when we talk about doing the work is just a responsibility to the self. Cause like work, when you think of what work is, it's your responsibilities, your duties. Right. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. using that in that, like, we also have a responsibility to ourself, but I also think that like, we've never not been doing the work. I think like be part of like our life experience, like for me, even when I was a drug addict and I was like, completely volcanically erupting in sadness and sickness, I was still doing my own work. That was part of my process. It wasn't like that I was somehow outside of my process. I was engaged in my life, living my life. And that was definitely part of the process for me of like gaining awareness about like who I am was that Mm -hmm. juxtaposition of that total messiness. So I feel like when I feel like with like, with how we conceptualize what the work is. And I'm only saying this because so many times people criticize themselves and go, I'm not doing the work. I'm not doing my work because they think the work is journaling every day or 
having a yoga practice or eating a specific way, but that's not the work. The work is in responsibility to ourselves. So it's like, that doesn't necessarily mean, mean that like we can be being responsible to ourselves and not pushing ourselves to do yoga every single day. If, Mm -hmm, if it's, mm -hmm. if it's outside of our like comfort zone or it doesn't, or our bodies are hurting and they need rest and not necessarily like an intense workout or whatever. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And I I think it's just the way that you look at it because I, I just listened to a podcast, um, with, uh, who was interviewed Marianne Williamson and she was Mm -hmm. kind of harping on this whole self-care movement. And she's like, I don't buy into it. You know, I think that like, um, but I, in my opinion, it's just like a name that you put on something. And in her, she didn't, she thinks that it's just being overused. Whereas it really, it's like very simply, it's just the fact that like, in order to serve your community, when you are tired, you go home and you rest, you like take a day. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's an intuitive thing, but I think a lot of us, especially in New York, like in that masculine energy, don't maybe don't understand how to do that. So we had to give it a name and that name was self care. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then because our culture tends to like latch onto things that are trending and then, you know, market the shit out of it and like make a brand out of it, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, blessings, like, make money off of this, like do your thing, exchange the energy fairly, like yeah, get this out into the world, you know, like dip your toes in the water, make it a gateway for people to come. It's kind of like in yoga, how there's like, you know, hip hop yoga now. And, um, like, I feel like there was like a Drake yoga class in LA and like, you know, (laughs) whatever, make it, I know. Right. (laughs) I mean, but that, and that's the thing, like make it a gateway for people to feel comfortable entering into it and then go out and like, live your messy, delicious, amazing life. And like I, in this past summer in Paris, I felt, I maybe, I think maybe that's where I come up with like the messy, delicious thing because I was doing, you know, to come back to that term again, a lot of Mm self-work basically like do, you know, facing a lot of demons going through a really hard time emotionally, but Mm -hmm. also having the time of my life. And I let myself, go a little bit. And you always encourage me to do that because I am, I do have a tendency to be very disciplined because I do love, I do love yoga. I do want to be a good yogi. I want to be a good person and like serve the world and people and everything and et cetera. But when kind of, I think to your point of like, when you are pushing that, like that lifestyle on yourself in a way that is addictive and ultimately not sustainable because it's going to come bite you in the ass at some point Mm -hmm. it winds up being to your detriment when if you relax into it a little bit and maybe like you know I messed up this summer like I went out and drank a lot of wine and like watched the sunset in Paris and woke up some days not feeling awesome but I would just return to my yoga and return to my meditation because that's what works for me and you just keep going and start another day and yeah, that's it. And you just like, and I don't think that people necessarily need to do yoga and meditate, but like there is obviously merit to it, but that's coming back to what I hope to do is just inspire people to like, you know, we don't grow up in these cultures, very specific healing modalities. I mean, a lot yeah. of us don't in America. And so we, we seek these external ones from different cultures, which are powerful. And I think that's awesome, but sometimes we can get overwhelmed and confused with the amount of information and practices out there. So if you can like, you know, if I would offer your listeners any 
unsolicited advice, it would just be to like try one thing, like try mm-hmm. one thing that speaks to you and like do it for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, see what happens. And if it's not your jam, then try something else or just, you know, like slip them in where it feels really good for you. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, how do you Absolutely. feel about that? Yeah. And invest, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, mm-hmm. like invest in yourself. Sometimes it's like, I, I find like sometimes we're so afraid to like try the thing that we feel really called to because it, of, uh, we don't think we deserve it financially or whatever. And, you know, I've never regret, I've, I talk, I've talked about this before, um, in, uh, on podcasts, but just like, you know, I never regretted any money that I've spent on, um, my healing and my wellness or like speaking to a teacher or a mentor or, um, having a session, a massage, any fucking thing, you know, I've always like been, um, like, I feel like when you, if you feel really called to something and and it's a repeat message, like I should try this, I should try this really like do it. You know what I mean? Like, and Mm -hmm. like initially when I even started my whole process, like I had literally no clue what like was what in the spiritual community or wellness, but I knew that I needed to do something. And so I started working with a woman, a coach and um, like, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I was homeless at the time. And it was like, and it just, it, has always worked out. Like if I've been, if I have made a promise to myself to take care of myself and invest in myself, somehow the money works out, the things align Mm -hmm. just through that like self-belief. So I definitely, I definitely agree. One thing I would say too, is that like, you know, um, that the language for girls, for women, especially around like being good, you know, that there's like, we're good mm-hmm. if we do such and such and if we're and we're not like this idea that we can be not good unless we're um like living in a certain way but you know i uh i think that like it's important for us to know that like we are good <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. even yep. if we are not like being really disciplined in our practice yeah maybe we are like we'll see the results of that for sure. Right. We see the results of our behaviors, but it's not about our goodness or our worth. Like our worth and our value as human beings is never called into account. Like we're lovable if we are hungover or not, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) We're worthy and we're hung, even if we're hungover, whatever, like it may not always feel that way, but, and then our goodness isn't, should never be related to like, our a practice that we're doing the goodness is innate in us in in human mm-hmm. beings we see that in every little baby that we that we passes us right we're just like you just the goodness in humanity exists and yeah our behaviors sometimes like obstruct our view from our own goodness or from what we can share in service in the world but um i really like I think that's the hardest part of, of wellness and spirituality is being able to tap into that unconditional worth, you know, and like the goodness that is what sources is what like, um, life is kind of, does that make sense? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think we see that in animals too. And just in like little miracles on the street, when you see somebody like hold a door open for somebody or like give somebody a smile or like compliment someone's hair or, 
um, tip somebody like, I don't know. It's just, I think it's everywhere. And we just, like you said, like have to be open to receiving it. And I think once you are open to that, you will start, it's kind of like breaking down a dam and then the water starts to flow a lot easier and it doesn't always have to be so hard. Um, yeah. To not only to like notice the goodness in people, but in yourself and to allow yourself to mess up and not say like, I'm messing up. I'm not good because of that. It's like, Oh, well I screwed up like onward, you know, tomorrow's a new day. This is, or not even, you don't even have to label it screwing up. It's just like, there's no mistakes. You just live and be like work for me again, coming back to that word work, but I guess the effort for me, um, is to be aware of it and to be aware of how I am with myself, mm. especially like you said, for women, I don't know why, because I have an amazing family and I always learned that, you know, I was worthy and loved and I feel very blessed for that. But I think just societally, um, in today's culture and work world, um, of, you know, needing to get a job, make money, have a house, blah, blah, blah. And I think a lot of us in this field now, because it's, it is a field, um, of wellness and well-being and health and spirituality are recognizing because I, a lot of us too are, you know, maybe a little bit humble, like, Oh, I don't need, I don't need money for my service. I just want to be of service. But like, yeah, we do. Yeah. And it's also okay to want to make a lot of money. And it took me a really long time to figure that out. And I think, you you know, we've all talked about this a lot, like just growing in the past couple of years of um, teaching and hosting events and, you know, doing a lot for free. And some, it's all been amazing. I don't regret any of it. I also don't regret any of the money I spent on healing and I continue to do that. And even when I like overdrew from my bank account twice a couple of years ago when I was first teaching um, part-time, I still would go and like no questions asked, pay like over $100 for uh, one of my favorite doctors in New York City because he just changed my life. And yeah. I I value that and I value myself. And so I think it's okay, first of all, to say I want to make a lot of money because I, I want, I also want to do a lot of good in the world and I want to make a lot of money for that. And that's fine. And also to say, you know, where am I going to spend that money? Like I choose to spend my money literally on like matcha lattes <laughs> with my reusable mug and healing and travel and mm -hmm. food and eating. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, we need clothes and I like shoes and whatever, but I'm in my sustainable efforts now. I'm trying my best to be as minimal as possible in that respect and either buy something that's going to last me forever or buy it lightly used online. Like, oh my God, everything is on like eBay and Poshmark and let go mm -hmm. at this point. Um, and if I, and going back to being good, like sometimes, you know, I buy something and I get, re I, I don't have reusable utensils with me and I have something that's like plastic and I, in my mind, energetically, and my pattern is to go, oh, why am I not, like, why am I doing this? Why am I not having, using my reusable water bottle? Like, oh, I can't believe I'm buying plastic. But again, you don't have to be perfect. You just have to make an 
effort and be aware of yeah, just more conscious of like yourself and your choices. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sashi, what would you tell your younger self knowing what you know now? Oh, it depends on how young, how young are we talking? Well, what, what do you think <laughs> was the child. roughest time period for you? I was 13 and I moved from Southern California to Northern California. Mm-hmm. And I was really lucky. I had an amazing childhood and amazing friends. And I say this and I, I knew exactly where I was going with that, with my younger self, because, um, every time I go to see that doctor, I was telling you about Dr. Josh Cantor. I'll, I'll give you the link for that. Um, I tell everybody about him in New York. He's practices applied kinesiology and that's not only body work, but it, um, it, uh, he practices, I think it's called EMFT, some type of like emotional response, um, technique where you test your subconscious and your muscles and, um, it's a really interesting practice. And he's brought up a lot of stuff from when I was 13 years old, like a lot of trauma around this move, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't seem like a huge deal, but I guess when you're 13, everything is a huge deal Absolutely. because you're just coming into your body and yourself and you're discovering like who you like, who you are, what you don't like, what you do like. And I was in like the depths of that with like my best, best friends from childhood. And then I moved away from them and that was super traumatizing. And so I would just kind of like, it was back in the day when AOL was really big and like instant messaging. Mm -hmm. And I would just like, you know, sit in the dark till like 2am on AOL with my friends, Mm -hmm. like just missing them terribly and so sad. And like nothing was going to make it feel better. I remember thinking like I should drink alcohol and rebel. And I, I like, I, I think I found like my parents Malibu rum somewhere and like took a shot of it at night, like really dramatically and was like, I'm drinking, I'm sad. But like literally I probably had like half of a shot and I was like, this is gross. I don't want to do this. Um, I even tried like scratching myself at one point cause I didn't want to cut myself cause that was like a really sad, weird thing that I had heard about that people mm-hmm. did. And so I would like scratch my form and I think I did it like once and I was like, this is not like, why am I doing this? This is stupid. It literally looked like a cat had scratched me. Um, Aww. but still, but so still, I know exactly, but still yeah. so sad. So if I, if I were to look back Mm-hmm. at that girl. Um, and I, I do this a lot. Thanks to you and your recommendations to do this. Like, what would you say to younger sad Sash at that point? Um, I guess I would just be there and not even really say anything, just kind of like put my hand on my 13 year old self's back and just like, let myself be a mess and cry and say like, I know, if I did say anything, like, I know this is really hard right now. And I want you to know that it's okay to be really upset. It's okay to be sad and miss your friends. And it's also okay to, um, enjoy yourself here. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to let your, you know, it, you get comfortable in this sadness and it's okay to do both. Like it's okay yeah. to have exist in both worlds and just know that, everything passes like nothing you you can't hold on to anything and 
And yeah, that's going to hurt too. And that's really hard to learn. And you're always going to be learning that. But like, no it's matter also a what, relief, loved, though, right? It's like, oh God, such it's a relief. like, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, everything passes. Ah, and then it's like, thank fucking God. <laughs> oh, thank fucking God. Like, I I don't want anything to be permanent. Not everything. I mean, and there are those moments where, like, you know, you experience joy and you're like, oh, shit, it's fleeting. Oh, my God. I have to hold on to this. Otherwise, everything is over. But, like, God, I, if I were able to tell myself that as a 13-year-old, I mean, I think I would have maybe streamlined this process with a little less suffering but I think that everything happens exactly as it needs to and maybe that's something that I would I would tell myself too um and just to like go out and live like god like life is so full of amazing things like notice the little miracles and like be you know you don't have to be sad in your room all the time to grieve the loss of something like you can still go out and have fun with like your new friends. And it took me a while, but I did make them. And like also my family, like my brothers and I hung out and threw like footballs around with each other. And cause we were our only friends for a little bit and Hmm. it all wound up working out really beautifully. And I think like when you don't know that and when you're 13 and like, yeah, my parents were supportive. It's not like, you know, they were, um, being difficult about it either but um yeah I would just tell her not to worry and also I had a lot of body image issues and I still do you and I have talked about this a lot um I would tell my younger self also just like you are beautiful exactly as you are you don't need to look like I remember looking at Teen Vogue and this girl had a really straight like boy like waistline Mm -hmm. and I was looking at mine in the mirror and like the fuck is this (laughs) like Mm -hmm. why do I have curves And it's, I look back at that. I'm like, God, I'm so sad. Like I would just tell her over and over again, like you are amazing. You have this body, like you are capable. You have limbs that function. Like you have a heart that feels. Um, and I feel like we forget that when, you know, we're younger. A lot of that is about image and how we look to ourselves and then how we look to other people and how to make ourselves look nice for other people. And we forget um, to just enjoy our bodies too, you know, and just yeah, feel like, yeah. just, just like it, just enjoy it, you know, like wherever it's at. I think like I spent so much time in my life having an incredible body and then not appreciating it because I was not, um, present. I was, I just wasn't present to like the enjoyment of just myself as I was, you know, and I think like mm-hmm. that's that's another product of our competitive society is we're like always being pushed to alter and change some of these superficial things when really what we need to be altering and changing is how we feel and our perspective and, you know, like our motivations behind stuff. Like so much of our experience that needs to shift is not outside of us it's just like an inside tweak that needs happening and a tweak in our thoughts a tweak in how we like see what's going on around us um I think that's why I'm okay with like some of the commercialization of these types of practices um because it's it's touchy for me because I'm not like 
from India and I'm studying this like ancient Indian practice and delivering it as a teacher of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and same with Ayurveda, which has been, you know, incredibly powerful for me. Um, this form of like ancient wisdom in the realm of like food and even skincare. Um, and, and I, I'm, I try to be as humble as I can and just like, you know, tell people I'm, I'm always, I'm a student first and foremost, but I'm also here to support you because I want to learn this and just yeah. being like willing to, to try certain things and like, know that not everything's going to stick, but something might, and something might be really profound and something might not be at all. Yeah. Um, well, and I think we have to use our internal dialogue around like, who's, who's, using things appropriately and who's not. I mean, I'm, I'm half mm-hmm. Indian and something I absolutely love is I love to see uh, anybody wearing a sari or wearing like Indian clothing. I think it's like, mm. I, I, I enjoy that. I think that it's such a honoring. Um, I think it's different if like, it just is really about how things are being processed and how they're being shared if it is in a derogatory way, if it's in a salacious right. way. Um, and, and I think we have to really take everything, like you can't just clump everything together because somebody who's going to be um, honoring something is going to be so much different than someone who is maybe um, vampiring that energy. Does that make sense? Like that, like we really have to tune into like our intuition and like, um, I think I'm so happy. I mean, I think, and we touched on it in the conversation earlier, like, yeah, we live in America where um, like, this is a new country that is not founded on a spiritual groundwork. So of course, where you don't have a spiritual groundwork, like, well, I mean, there is one, it's completely oppressive and fucking insane though. Right. Like, like pious, like, you know, deeply wounded, uh, Christian beliefs, like obviously like, um, a spiritual foundation is so necessary to having a society, a world that is impactful in the right ways. And America is a big place and it has a lot of impact on the world. So I think the more that we can like honor, um, culture and ethnicity and, um, spirituality in whatever way is really, is really, really important to how this country is going to grow and evolve and how then the world is going to grow and evolve. But also like it's necessary for us to follow our intuition. And if something doesn't feel right to us, a certain practice, a certain teacher to really listen to that and maybe, you know, maybe that is not a good fit for us. Um, yeah. And like, like I said earlier, everything is like an experiment. And like you were saying, it's all really about not like having an amazing yoga body. I mean, that's like maybe a result of it, but it's mostly about the internal, um, discoveries and who you are. And if you find that through practicing asana or through like painting, or journaling or meditating or cooking like it's the practice is internal and the external body is just a um a result not even like a consequence but a a direct result of that and then we it's challenging when you are in this 
worlds and distracted by external sources to meet your mind and body and heart like in the middle somewhere. And yeah. one of my teachers that I love, um, Jenny Capular, she's an Iyengar, amazing Iyengar teacher in New York City has been, you know, she's in her 70s, she's been studying forever. I'm like one of the youngest people in the class and I'm always just in awe of all the people around me and not only just their capabilities physically, but you can just see, like you can feel something about them that's just like dropped in, but they're also a person in the world. So it's like, we all come to this class and Jenny says something like, it's like poetry. She has such beautiful wisdom every week. And last week she said something like, you know, you're never going to see the whole part of yourself all at once. Like you can see, like, <laughs> bless you. <laughs> God bless you. Um, like you can see little pieces of yourself here and there. And that's great. Like if you can see one piece of yourself, you can see two, three, if you can see like a hundred, amazing. But you don't have to like be this all wise, all knowing person at all times, like seeing yourself super clearly in the world around you, like, or ever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like as long as we're on this planet, like it's always going to be an experiment and kind of like going back to earlier, like, thank God we don't have to know everything. We don't have to do everything really well. Like all we have to do is like coming back to like your heart and what it means just to be like a conscious person in the world. Like all we have to do is our best. Yeah. And that, that's totally enough and be willing to like experiment and experience a wide range of emotion. And I think it can be really scary for people to take that dive in um, because it is scary. Like it doesn't always feel good to look at yourself and rarely to see does all it. these things. <laughs> but you know what, for me lately, it's been, it's been a huge relief because yeah. I have found that like, in a lot of suffering in this past year that I've gone through with like transitioning out of a relationship and moving all over the place, literally all over the world, like multiple times, it's been so excruciating, but like, because of my work in yoga and meditation and, you know, just this wellness world in general. And, um, I've, I've been able to see that the undercurrent is that everything is going to be okay. Yeah. And I, I love what you say too, like all is always well. Yeah. So there's like this, like really soft, I, I like envision it like a nice little stream, like an undercurrent of just everything's okay. Everything is going to be okay. And everything on top of that is just like a layer of the ego that is here to teach you something. Yeah. And the people in your life are here to not only like be your safety net and just like, God, I fell into this like beautiful net of like space and love and support. Um, but also they're there to show up and teach you if it's really uncomfortable, like they're going to bring up a lot of parts of yourself that are, you know, like I, I learned a lot about like my need for approval and to please people and to always want to be liked. And if you're not paying attention to me, then why and what did I do and did I do something wrong and instead of being judgmental with myself even if I do get judgmental with myself because I'm a human and I'm not a robot I'll be able to notice it and mm -hmm. that's been so transformative to be like oh my god this is really interesting I'm so curious like yeah this is how I get with myself like huh okay like noted click save let's see what happens 
mm-hmm. later on. Like, let's mm-hmm. see how I can work with this. So yeah, it's been like in the beginning, it's really sucky and I'm, I'm not like proud of the things that I've discovered necessarily, but I'm also not ashamed of them. Yeah. Um, because everyone has them. And I've, I've learned that even in times of like deep, deep, deep grief and suffering, especially in this past year of growth, that there is an undercurrent of love first and foremost, and some type of ease and peace exists there. And that, you know, all things pass, everything will eventually settle. Yeah. Well, Sashi, thank you so much for coming on today and having this conversation with us. And, um, we're going to link like your upcoming offering. She teaches classes around, uh, NYC, Brooklyn, right. Um, mm-hmm. yoga classes. You can go visit with Sasha in New York or Brooklyn. Uh, and she has like a wonderful uh, newsletter where she talks about food a lot and nutrition and recipes mm-hmm. and fun stuff like that among all of her other wonderful ideas and, uh, her podcast as well, which we're going to link in the show notes. Is there anything else uh, that you're offering at the moment that you want to add in there? Yeah, well, I I teach in New York City and Brooklyn. And I'm also, I mean, as far as I know, at this moment, I'm moving to Paris. So I will still be back and forth to teach here. This is my community and I love it. Um, But I plan to take this work abroad and to teach in Paris and around Europe. Um, I felt a calling and so I'm answering the call. And I'm really excited about that. I have a Costa Rica retreat coming up that might have already happened by the time this airs, but I don't have any, uh, this is airing tomorrow, Sasha. So, Oh, sweet (laughs) guys come to Costa Rica. I'm leaving next week. It's the, it's the ninth through the 16th. I'll, I'll give you my website of the events. Um, it's funny. Like sometimes I don't have anything lined up and sometimes I have a million things lined up. Um, I love, bridging um like yoga and food and wellness and meditation together and events so I often host things that incorporate those um and worldwide retreats I'm going to teach in Morocco with my friends at fitness and foolishness um at the end of uh March or no April beginning of May and I plan to offer worldwide retreats um and I'll post about them as they happen. But uh, I do have a podcast. I have online YouTube videos and meditations, guided meditations on my YouTube channel. So I'll give you that link if you want to practice at home in your underwear like I prefer to do. And um, I really appreciate you having me on here, Rebecca. This is awesome. I love the work that you're doing and you inspire me. And I think we both agree that just the people that listen to this and are part of this community, even though we're not talking to you directly are just like the reason why we love what we do, like just to be yeah. supported by the people that show up. So I'm so great. Yeah. So everybody. grateful for yeah. our listeners and anybody who's just like taking a uh, responsibility for themselves and trying in any degree to create a better world through having a better experience for themselves. Um, and I just want to say thank you to you, Sasha, for coming on. Thanks for our patrons um, that help support the availability of this podcast, of the weekly energy report. Um, if this is your first time listening, uh, we ha- I do a weekly energy report based on the astrological influences as well as having uh, lovely creatives and healers and uh, teachers on just to have a discussion about 
what's going on in our own healing practices. Um, I also have a few things coming up. I have a winter retreat in upstate New York coming up this uh, March 1st through 3rd. And I'm offering a February special, a discounted session special. So this is a three-year, and I'm offering a a discount um, that equals the number three to kind of just like empower the vibes uh, of this creative, feminine, um, childlike energy. And then I also have, uh, in honor of Valentine's Day, a astrological love reading that I'm doing, um, which you can see in the show notes and sign up for online. It's a, um, it's a birth chart interpretation based on the patterns around how you relate to others, uh, emotionally, sexually, romantically, uh, and maybe what the good fit for you may end up being. Um, can I sign up for that one? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's called the love reading. And also, you know, what I'm doing in that session is helping to clear old cords of attachment and like old residues from old relationships that we are done with. And sometimes we need to really kick out that old, that old energy um, and uh, have good boundaries about that. So that's also part of that session. So you can tune into the show notes for uh, all the info on both Sasha and me, Rebecca Conran. Thanks again, Sashi. And we will uh, speak to you all next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye.